thinking about this chapter and uh, what the Lord would have for us uh, here this morning. And really, I only have one point for you this morning. And that point we're going to look at, uh, we're going to cover through it, and we're going to look at it and apply it to Hosea chapter number 12. And I think many times when we look, especially at an Old Testament passage like we're going to read here today, many of us look at it and we say, well, you know what, that's really not, can't really apply that to my own life. Um, sometimes we look at it and we say, yeah, that was in the past. That's, that's really nothing that I can draw some things out of it and help me in my own personal life. Um, but the one point that I want to give you here this morning is basically how is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Right now, if you, if you block everything out of your life, and you just look at your life right now. How is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And that's really the whole message here this morning out of Hosea chapter number 12. And the way that God's going to use this passage here this morning is he's going to give us an example of one man and how his personal relationship uh, was with him. And I think it's important that we as believers in Jesus, that we're constantly giving an evaluation inside of our hearts, inside of our lives, and looking and evaluating and asking ourselves that question, where do I stand with Jesus right now? Because let's face it, all of us, myself included, tend to drift. We find ourselves where we are moving slowly away from Jesus Christ. We may move slowly away from his word. We may move slowly away from a prayer life. We may move slowly away from fellowship with other believers. But how is my personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Now, if I were to ask you a question and I were to say, would you want to live your life for Jesus? Almost all of us would say yes. Um, if, if, a, if a pastor and elder were to come up to you and say, you just personally, just talking to you and said, hey, do you want to live your life for Jesus Christ? Or are you living your life fully for Jesus Christ? The correct answer would be to say yes. And we would all say that, um, but all of us, myself included, get into this trap where we say yes, but really that's not true in our hearts. Um, we really don't mean it. We really don't want to apply that in reality to our life. Um, but you know, even if we really don't mean it, we all learn how to fake it. We all learn how to, um, make it sound as if we really do mean it. But this morning, I really truly want us to mean that inside of our hearts that we really do want to live our life for Jesus. That we really do want to make sure that our relationship with Jesus Christ is important and that we give time and we give effort towards it. So as I said, you know, there is a part of us that wants to live more fully for Jesus, but yet we often get distracted in life. We get distracted, we get preoccupied uh, with other things and stuff that we have to do. Maybe this is where you have been recently. Maybe you've been distracted recently. 
Maybe you've been rushing around doing so many other things in life, but yet you have neglected the most important thing in life, and that is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Sometimes our heart grows cold and indifferent towards Jesus. Maybe this has started through some disappointment in your life. Something hasn't turned out the way that you hoped it would. We get disappointed, and then sometimes we even get God the cold shoulder. Maybe there's been a circumstance in your life where you were treated unfairly. Whatever the case may be, all of us, sometimes we drift away from Jesus Christ. And that's why I ask you, how is your relationship with Jesus Christ this morning? You see, we have gathered here this morning from all kinds of different places. Many of us from different uh, towns and cities. All of us from different kinds of walks of life. I mean, we got old, we got young, we got middle-aged. We got people from different backgrounds, from different um, upbringings. But all of us here, gathered here this morning, the thing that has brought us all here this morning is Jesus Christ. We have a unity in Jesus Christ. We have a fellowship with Jesus Christ. We have a common bond in Jesus Christ. But I want to ask you a question. How is that relationship with Jesus? You see, God cares deeply for you and I to live completely, fully for him. Jesus said it well when he said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it abundantly. Jesus wants us to live an abundant life in him. He doesn't want us to just kind of get by or just kind of survive off of the table scraps. Jesus wants us to live abundantly for him. So here in this chapter, that's why God has given us Hosea chapter number 12. He has given it to us intentionally because he wants us to listen to what he has to say about living an abundant life towards him. And we're going to look at this uh, here uh, through the scriptures here. So my main point is, uh, how is my relationship with Jesus Christ? So if you haven't been with us for a while, let me catch you up to speed here in Hosea chapter number 12. We've been looking at this, uh, this book, and it's been a rather interesting book because God has given the message to the prophet Hosea to go and speak to the nation of Israel. Israel at this time was steeped in Baal worship. I mean, they were following after other gods. God used Hosea and used his marriage as a picture to show them what kind of relationship that they have had with God and the fact that they had been committing spiritual adultery. And so God goes after them, lovingly pursues after them, trying to woo them back. And God uses the prophet Hosea uh, in this time, the people had turned away from God. They were serving other idols. And time and time and time again, I mean, we're talking centuries, God's message had not changed. Please return back to me. I mean, when you read throughout the prophets, uh, it's uh, throughout uh, the major prophets and the minor prophets, you know, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, um, you find Ezekiel and Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. The message is always the same. God is trying to get his people to return back to him. And that was a message that was continually spoken to them, generation after generation. And God's mercy was continual uh, for his people. And here in Hosea 12, the message still has not changed. God wants the people to return back to him. But see, God hasn't given us this passage so we can just hear what God told a certain group of people 
what he wanted them to hear back then. God has given us this passage because we need it in our lives as well. And through this passage, God doesn't speak to them way back then. Through this passage, God speaks to us today, right now, in 2017. So I ask you, how is your relationship with Jesus Christ? So God is going to speak here this morning. Are you ready to listen to him? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, very good. Well, let's pray, okay? Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us this opportunity to look into your word. Help us to listen intently. Lord, may the words of your scripture sink down into our ears. Help us to hear it with our heart. Help us to listen intently. Help us to listen with our heart and and understand exactly what you are saying to us as believers in Jesus. Lord, I pray that you help all of us to strengthen our relationship this morning as we learn more about you and learn the fullness that you want for our life. And God, as we sang this morning about these are the days of Elijah and and that you want to see that, that flesh come upon bones, the dry bones. God, we pray that the word of God is spoken and that you would cause the dry bones to come together and the flesh comes and the people of God rise up and become a mighty army for the Lord. We thank you and we love you for what you've done in our lives. We ask all this in your name. Amen. So let's look at the passages here. We're going to start here in Hosea uh, chapter number 12. And we're going to look at the first few verses here. Hosea chapter 12 and beginning in verse number 1. Look what he says here. Ephraim feeds on the wind and pursues the east wind all day long. They multiply falsehood and violence. They make a covenant with Assyria. And he says here, and oil is carried to Egypt. Now God here is trying to speak to us. He's trying to tell us something about these people. Ephraim here, we all know that that is a representation of Israel. It's just like saying uh, Indiana is part of the United States. We are Americans in Indiana. Okay, Ephraim is the largest tribe of Israel. So God is saying here, Ephraim feeds on the wind. Now, the regular same message of the prophets here is always in the same nutshell. It's the same thing. He's saying, I want you to return back to me. But now he here, he is threatening to them and he's going to come in judgment to them. But let's look at what specifically God says to this nation. Remember, don't lose sight of the main point. How is my relationship with Jesus Christ? Let's look at these verses here again. And uh, verse number two also with it. Look what he says here. Ephraim feeds on the wind and pursues the east wind all day long. They multiply uh, falsehood and violence. They make a covenant with Assyria and oil is carried to Egypt. So what is God saying here to this nation? Well, look what he says here, Ephraim. He's talking about the nation of Israel, but look what he says that they do. He says that they feed on the wind. Have you ever eaten wind? Maybe when you're outside and the wind's blowing and there's sand. That's eating sand, that's not eating wind. But God says that they eat wind. And look what he says also. He says that they pursue after the east wind All the day long. In other words, they are chasing wind. Can you catch it? 
Can you run after it with a net or a bottle and bottle it up? You can't. God is giving us a description of this nation. He's saying they feed on wind and they pursue after wind, chasing it. So what is he saying here? Well, the people are chasing wind. They are wasting their time. Can you imagine a professional wind chaser? You realize how ridiculous that sounds? What do you do for a living? Well, I chase wind. Great. That's what God is saying, that they are wasting their time pursuing after wind. They are running in worthless directions. And then it describes their unprofitable ways. God's specific charges against them. Look what he says. It says that they multiply falsehood and violence. One of God's major charges against them was deception. If we could back up and look at uh, Hosea chapter number 11 and verse number 12. Listen to what God has to say here. He says, Ephraim has surrounded me with lies and the house of Israel with deceit. But Judah still walks with God and is faithful to the Holy One. God says, Ephraim has surrounded me with lies, with deceit and falsehood, he says. They weren't being honest with God and they weren't being honest with one another. Now, why wouldn't they just be honest with God? Think about that. Here is Ephraim. Here is Israel. They've been doing terrible things. God says, you have been lying and you've been deceiving. He says, you surround me with lies and deceit. You're pursuing after worthless things. Why wouldn't they just come clean and honest with God? Probably for the same exact reason we feel tempted to lie and to deceive. You see, we are tempted to lie because we know something is wrong. Something is wrong, so we try to fix it. One of the ways that we try to fix it is to lie and to deceive and try to hide it. Let me give you a prime example of this. I'm going to need four volunteers. So let's see, Caleb, let me borrow you. Um, Let's see, Alex, let me borrow you. Uh, Carissa, let me borrow you. And let's see here. Um... I need one more. Ashley, can I borrow you too? Okay. So I'm going to try to give you a a prime example of this. Okay, I have four signs here of something that they did wrong. Okay, or something. So, Caleb, here you go. Put that around your neck. Okay. Krissa. Alex and Ashley. Okay. So this is what we do. This is all what we do. Now, I don't know what they did, but they either said something, thought something, looked at something, or did something wrong. Okay. We don't know what that is, but they do because they're the ones that did it. Okay. This is the trap that all of us find ourselves in. And when we try to lie and try to deceive God, we all do something. It's something that we commit in our hearts, and our lives. And it's something that we try to hide. When somebody comes up to us and maybe they might have an inclination of something you did, we try to cover up real quick, try to to make it seem like we didn't do anything. Now, how do we do that? Well, we cover ourselves by doing that. So this is what we do, okay? We put on 
a cloak or a covering to try to cover up what we did. So she looked at something wrong. And so what we try to say is, well, God's saying, I know what you did. Why are you trying to deceive me with all your lies and all your deceit? And so what we do is we cover it up. Let's go ahead and put that on there. So we cover it up with something else. And that something else, we say, oh, hey, look, I'm a spiritual person. But does that change what they had done? No, it doesn't. They're trying to cover it up. Or another thing that they may try to do, okay, they try to cover it up. They say something wrong. And so here's another something that they may put on to try to cover it up. And so Ashley here, she said something wrong. And so what does she do? She puts on moral behavior. And she says, I'm going to try to cover this up, okay? Or for example, uh, we got uh, Alex there. He thought something wrong. So what does he try to do? He puts on a cloak. He's going to cover it up. This is lies and deceit that we are covering up. And he says, hey, I got nice outward appearances. I'm going to cover this up. I don't want anybody to see it. Or then we got Caleb over here, okay? Caleb did something wrong. So what does Caleb try to do? Well, he gets out his covering. It just fell off. And so he puts on a covering. Hey, that fits. Do you want that? (laughs) So what does Caleb try to do? Well, he tries to compare himself with others. And so these are lies and deceit to try to cover up what they've done. Now, God is saying to them, he's saying, listen, he's saying, you Israel, why do you, why do you surround me with lies and deceit? He says, I know what you've done, but yet they're acting like as if nothing has wrong. I mean, they all got on their, their spiritual clothes, if you will, and they say, hey, I've done nothing wrong here, God. And God says, you're trying to deceive me. I know exactly how your heart is. That's why I ask you again, how is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ? All of us can put on spiritual clothes. We can all look moral and good and, and, and uh, do outward appearances. But how is our spiritual walk with Jesus Christ? Okay, Thank you, guys. You can sit down. You want to keep the signs? Yes, okay. <laughs> I knew I'd find it, uh, a good use for those clothes eventually, so... But anyways, so we all try to cover up. And this is the example that God is giving to them. He's saying, you try to do this. We don't want anybody else to know. And that's what Israel was doing here. They surrounded God with lies and deceit. And God says, I know exactly what you're doing. I know your heart. And see, we ask, we we question that. We wonder, why wouldn't we just come clean with God and tell him the truth? It's because we're ashamed. We think that we can fix it ourselves. And so we do it by putting on some type of other type of clothing to cover that up. You see, we sometimes think that deceit is a possible solution, but it isn't. It never is a possible solution. We think that if we can lie well enough so that no one finds out our problem, it'll just eventually go away. But it doesn't. The problem is that deceit, the deceit solution isn't an effective solution. It doesn't accomplish anything. Just like how God says that Ephraim is 
tasting and feeding on the wind and it's running after the east wind, pursuing it, it's not accomplishing anything, God says. You're just wasting your time. God says, I just want you to be honest with me. And I want you to return back to me. So that way we can have an abundant, vibrant relationship together. So this is how all of us try to solve our problems. And you know what? When we try to do that, it gets very, very, very messy. And the Lord just says, will you just simply be honest with me? Will you just please tell me the truth? Because I already know what is in your heart. I already know what's going on in your life. Just be honest with me. So we try to cover it up. Now, Hosea here is talking about deceit and how he's going to use this. He's going to give us an example of a person who used deceit in their life to try to cover up a lot of things in their life. And I think in this example that he's going to use, I think all of us can find ourselves in this man's life. So Hosea here is going to tell a story about Jacob. Now, if you've been to Sunday school, I'm sure you know who Jacob is. He's going to use Jacob as an example of what God was calling the people to do. So let's take a look here as what God says and how he lays it out for us here in Hosea 12. And let's continue reading here. So Hosea chapter number 12. And look what he says here um, in beginning in verse number 3. It says, or excuse me, verse number two, he says, The Lord has an indictment against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. He will repay him according to his deeds. In the womb, he took his brother by the heel and in his manhood, he strove with God. So here's where Jacob comes from. Roughly about 4,000 years ago, there was a man named Abraham. Okay, remember Genesis account, Abram, he was, uh, he was a, uh, a guy that was uh, a pagan, and God called him out. God told him, he says, I'm going to multiply you, I'm going to make you a great nation, and you're going to do all this stuff, you're going to have a son. Now, Abram had a son, what was his name? Isaac, okay, remember? And Isaac was supposed to be sacrificed. He takes him up to the mount. He's about ready to do it. Abram, Abram, Abram. He stops him from from killing his own son. And there's a land that's provided for him. God says, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this for for the nation. This is what I'm going to do for you. And he takes Isaac. And Isaac has how many sons? How many? Two, remember? What were their names? Jacob and Esau, okay? Twins. So here they are. They're born. Jacob here, the Bible says that when Jacob was born, he's grabbing his brother's heel. Out he comes and he's got him by the heel. They name him Jacob. Jacob ends up having how many sons? Twelve. This is what becomes the twelve tribes of Israel. Jacob's name is later changed to Israel. We'll look at that here in just a moment. But God promised Abraham that from his descendants would become a great and mighty nation. And so Hosea starts to tell here the story of Jacob and what's going to happen. He talks about when Jacob was born, twins, Jacob and Esau. Esau was born first. Jacob came second, but he had his hand, he had his, his hand upon his heel. 
That is why he was given the name Jacob. Because the name Jacob literally means he grasps the heel. A metaphor for deception. So Jacob means he deceives. Can you imagine names back then had a lot of meaning? Um, For example, my name's Michael, which I believe uh, means uh, he is like God. I can't remember. I can't remember which one it means. But anyways, names carry certain meanings. But here is um, Jacob. Can you imagine if you were to meet Jacob during the time? Like he'd come up to you and he'd say, uh, you know, hi, I'm Bob. And then Jacob extends his hand and he says, hi, I'm he who deceives. Wouldn't that be a nice person to meet? I don't think you'd want to do any business dealings with a guy like that. Because his name literally means one who deceives. And Jacob was a deceiver. Now God is trying to give us a picture here of our own individual lives that we deceive. That we surround him with lies and deception. And God say, just like Jacob, he says, this is one who deceives Throughout most of his life, Jacob lived up to his name. He was a lying, deceiving scoundrel. When it came to his inheritance from his father, the Bible tells us that he lied to his father by saying he was his brother Esau. Remember, he put hair on his arms. He made the savory meat like his dad enjoys, right? Because he stole the birthright. He stole the blessing. To save his skin from Esau, he fled from town uh, from the next few decades of his life. I mean, he was gone. He left home. He didn't write back. He ends up getting married and has an issue with his father-in-law. And rather deal with it man-to-man, face-to-face. You know what Jacob does? He runs away like a scoundrel. He's a deceiver. And so Jacob lived up to his name. Jacob was not a great example of faith. He was a lying, stealing, manipulative coward. You know, just as a side note, throughout the Bible, there are plenty of people in God's word that are lying, deceiving scoundrels. God doesn't always give us all the perfect people in the Bible. And I love that because guess what? We're not perfect people. And so God uses a person like Jacob and shows us that God can even use somebody like Jacob, even though their life was marked by deception. Jacob was a liar who lived up to his name, but God wouldn't let Jacob end up that way. Something interesting happens. In fact, look what it says here in verses 2 through 3. He says, In the womb he took his brother by the heel, and in his manhood he strove with God. One night, Jacob was out in the wilderness. He'd run away from his father-in-law. And as he's out there in the wilderness, he's out there. There's nobody around. Somebody shows up and begins to have a wrestling match with him. And he's wrestling with him and he's striving with him. And as he's wrestling with him, he's trying to, to, get, to, try to get away. And he, he realizes, hey, this is God I'm wrestling with. He's striving with God. And he wants a blessing from God. He wants to live his life fully now for God. You know, there are plenty of times in our own lives that God brings us to that point where we have to strive with him. Where God says, I'm trying to do something in your life. 
And God is using those circumstances in our life to try to help us live a life completely and fully for him. And we have to realize that and we have to take God at his word and we have to ask for God's help. We have to ask for his blessing in our life. Bible tells us that they wrestled until the morning began to dawn and then the person said he was going to go. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And then the man that Jacob is wrestling with changes Jacob's name from Jacob, the one who deceives, he deceives, to Israel, he strives with God. It was not just a man wrestling with Jacob, it was God. And Jacob knew that. Jacob realized he had to see God's work in his own individual life. Jacob begged God for a blessing and God blessed him. God could have let Jacob continue in his life of lying and deceit and deception, but God didn't want to do that. God wanted to bless Jacob. And think about just even us. We have signs, all of us have signs of things hanging around in our hearts. And God says, I don't want you to continue to live that way. I want to bless you. I want to change your life. God's trying to move and work in our lives. He's trying to do something. So again, I ask you, how is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it on the fence? Have you drifted? Have you gotten a little bit away? God is trying to bring you back to himself. And he does this by showing us exactly what we've done. We've lied and we've deceived. And we tried to pretend with God. And God doesn't buy it. Let's look at another thing here. A few other verses. Look what he says here in Hosea chapter 12. And look at verses 3 through 5. It says, in the womb, he took his brother by the heel, and in his manhood, he strove with God. He strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel. And there God spoke with us, the Lord, the God of hosts. The Lord is his memorial name. You see, we see Jacob's new solution here. All of his life, he had relied upon lying and manipulation. But then he came face to face with God. And when he saw who God was truly was, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah God, Yahweh, he realized and said, the game's up. I got nothing. You've called my bluff. You win. And he surrendered to God. Look what he says here. In the next verse, God tells them what they should do. After hearing and remembering the story of Jacob, here's the point of what God tries to do in their life. Look at this next verse here in Hosea chapter 12 and verse number uh, 6. So you, by the help of your God, return, hold fast to love and justice, and wait continually for your God. Phrase by phrase, God gives us the breakdown of how we are to return back to him. Remember, God is talking to the nation of Israel. He's saying, you've surrounded me with lies and deceit. He's saying, just like Jacob, you've tried to create all these types of solutions. You tried to manipulate. You tried to cheat. You tried to run away. But God says, it's so simple. Here it is. 
so you, just like Jacob, by the help of your God, return. You see, if you have found yourself in a pattern just like Jacob, God is willing to help you. God is willing to bring you back to himself. God is willing to work in your life and bring you to a place where you realize that you need God's help. God wants to help you. God wants to, to, to surround you with his love and in his grace. But you have to be willing to return back to him. You see, God had described their sin as spiritual adultery. Rather than remain faithful to God, they gave themselves over to different kinds of idols. Remember, they were worshiping all the kinds of Baal worship in the temple. They committed spiritual adultery, yet God was still willing to help them. He says, by the help of your God. Just like Jacob was out there in the wilderness running away, God was willing to bring Jacob back to himself. Then he says, return. He says the people couldn't keep living as they should have. He says, I'm willing that they must return back to him. And then notice what he says then. He says, hold fast to love and justice. You see, when we return to God, we are returning to a different type of life. What marked Jacob's life? Lies, deceit, hypocrisy, manipulation. But now, when Jacob was changed when he became a changed man, he was holding on to different things. And see, God is trying to do a work in our life, and he's trying to take those signs and actually remove them out of our lives. He doesn't want us to just keep putting on clothes after clothes. Can you imagine if, like, um, let's just say, I didn't take a bath for, like, a month. Okay? I could just put on... Fresh, clean clothes. Does that clean me up? No, it doesn't. And I could, I could change my clothes five times a day. But it still doesn't take care of the problem. What do I need? I need a bar of soap. God says, I'm willing to take care of the issue at hand here. But you have to be willing to let me to do it. You have to be honest with me. You have to pour yourself out to me. You have to return back to me. And God says, you've got to hold fast to love and justice. He changes us from the inside out and that, so that a different life ends up flowing out from inside. Notice how return always comes before actions they were supposed to do. You see, this is the consistent pattern of the Bible. Not just clean up your act, not just try to do some things or put on some clothes. God says, you return. And then the actions will follow after that. That order is so very critical. And then notice what he says. He says, and wait continually for your God. Look to the Lord and wait. When we try to solve our problems by ourselves, we ignore God. All we're doing is putting on more clothes and saying, I got this, but you know what? I got this, which is better. And I can try to cover that up by lies and deceit. And we try to do that. So God says, return to him. You see, when we see who God is, then we see that we need God absolutely, positively, 100% in our lives. And so when we notice that we've started to drift away from God, and God shows us who he really is, then we realize and say, I really do need him. I need his mercy. I need his grace. I need his love and his compassion in my life. 
I need his wisdom. And so that's when we begin to hold fast and wait continually for God. So just like Jacob, we need God to bless us. We're going to finish up these few verses here. Notice what he says here. In verse 7 through 8, God says this. He says, basically, look, you've tried to deceive. And notice this. I love this. He says, a merchant in whose hands are false balances, he loves to oppress. Ephraim has said, ah, but I'm rich. I have found wealth for myself in all my labors. They cannot find in me iniquity or sin. So God has used the illustration of Jacob to say, look, you've been deceiving. You've been surrounding me with lies and deceit. He said, I'm willing to bring you back to myself. All you have to do is return back to me. He says, hold fast to love and to justice. Wait on me. I will bless you. I will do what I'm supposed to do in your life. But Ephraim says this. They're looking at their clothes and instead of being honest with God, they're going, look at me though, I'm rich. And God uses this example of this false balances. What they used to do back in the day is, let's just say you went to the market. You were going to buy a, a, I don't know, a pound of fish or a pound of grain or whatever, okay? What these people would do to cheat you out of your money is instead of it being an actual pound... They may put a pound on there, but it may weigh a little bit more than a pound. And so you would get less product for what you're actually paying for. And so they would they measure it out and say, yeah, look, that's a pound. But then you take it home and it's really not a pound. It's only half a pound. It's kind of like when you go to Wendy's and you see that, you know, uh, quarter pound cheeseburger. And then they cook it up and it only weighs like two ounces. You got cheated. God says they are using false balances in their life. And they're looking around. They're saying, ah, but I'm rich. I have found wealth. And God says, yeah, you did it because you're false. You did it by deceit. You've done it because you surround me with your lies and your deceit. You see, the point is they stole from each other. And they were so good at deceiving that no one could catch them. And they thought that they were fooling everybody. But God was not fooled in this at all. And just like us, we have those signs hanging around us. I did something, said something, thought something, looked at something. Whatever that something is. And we try to deceive God by putting on other types of things. And God says it's false. It's not going to work. Notice what he also says here. In verses 8 through 9, he says, Ah, but I'm rich. I have found wealth for myself in all my labors. They cannot find in me iniquity or sin. And God says, I am the Lord your God from the land of Egypt. I will again make you dwell in tents as in the days of the appointed feast. You can hear them boasting. I'm rich. They thought their riches could buy them anything. They trusted in their riches. They boast, I am rich. But then God says, I am the Lord your God. They thought no one could catch them in their, their deception. They thought no one could see. But God says, I see you exactly as you are. Don't try to deceive me. Don't try to cover it up. You may fool everybody else, but God says, I see you for who you are. And look what he says here also in these last few verses. In verse 14, God pretty much sums all of this up. He's saying, I'm giving you this example of Jacob because I want you to return back to me. He says, Ephraim has given bitter provocation. 
So his Lord will leave his blood guilt on him and will repay him for his disgraceful deeds. You see, Ephraim has continually and inexcusably insulted God. Because of that, God says, you're going to pay for this with your life. Destroying ways. His master will do to him what he has done. God basically asks, are you going to repeat the same steps just like Jacob did? Are you going to live your life out in the wilderness in deception and lies, always running and never taking care of the problem? Are you willing to return back to me? You see, all of us this morning have two options. Number one, we can try to to deceive God. We can try to fool him, but that never works. Or option number two, we can return to God and give ourselves fully to him. That's how simple it is. Many of us this morning need to get right with Jesus Christ. We need to make sure that our relationship is right with the Lord. Maybe you have distracted yourself from him. Maybe you've distanced yourself from him. Maybe something deep in your hearts has been resisting God, been resisting the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want you to draw an imaginary circle around yourself right now. Nobody else is in that circle. You can't compare yourself with anybody. You can't say, well, this person did this or that person said that. Just you alone is in that circle. Now, right now, as you're in that circle alone, by yourself, how is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Does it need work? Does it need God's blessing? Does it need more of his grace and more of his mercy in your life? Are you devoted to him in the deepest part of your heart and your soul? If so, praise God and thank the Lord that he's been doing a great, amazing work in your life. And he's doing it to try to further prove himself to you and trying to use you as you exalt his name and lift the name of Christ. But if not, if you've sent some resistance or rebellion in in your heart, you have to return to God. Hosea 12, 6, what are you waiting for? Return to your God. Commit yourself in love and in justice. Wait for your God and don't give up on him forever. Let's pray together.